Thanks for listening to The Real Life Podcast. If you live in the Erie area, we invite you to join us in person on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. or live on Facebook and YouTube by searching Real Life Assembly. Now, here's this week's message. Wow. Hey, we are glad to have you back at home and with the family today. Obviously, we know, I think probably more than anything for those of you that have gathered, that there is such a focal point with Easter. I think obviously the the excitement and the energy that we can bring on this day is because we all are aware of the story, because we know really what drives our heart and what today is all about and what a difference there is when we have that focus, right? What a difference there is when we know what it's all about, that we know that Easter represents the day, not only through these past couple of days, the great Passion Week story that Christ not only came and he died died on the cross for us, but that his word is true, that on this Sunday morning that he rose from the dead. And as we know that, and as we believe that, it gives great focus and attention for our hearts, certainly to be overwhelmed and to enjoy and to continue to share this wonderful, wonderful story of Easter today. So for those of you maybe that have been around with us for a little while, we're just going to kind of kind of give you a little update of some of the things that we have been talking about over these last couple of weeks. In fact, we've entitled this series that we've been in for about six weeks now called The Choice. And I said to the church last Sunday that that this is the day. The entire series was based around, the, the, the verbiage of our series was based around this day. This idea of the choice. And, and I want to take the next couple of moments and help us to, to remind ourselves not only of the story, but that the choice that was made for you and I. You see, there is really no more important choice in the history of humanity than than what is being revealed to us and has been revealed to us throughout this holy week. And yet, it reaches its pinnacle today on this Easter Sunday. You see, not only is the choice to be able to look back on everything that was done for us, but it was the choice that Jesus made to come into our world and to be able to show us God's great love and his sacrifice over our lives. Jesus knew better than us. Kind of the the tagline that, that we have been talking about over this entire series, that it's direction, not intention, that leads to your destination. Aren't you glad that Jesus didn't call it in, right? That, that he just didn't, well, I, I meant to or I intended to, but he loved us so much that he came down in human form and he showed us and he revealed to us just how great God's love is for every one of us. And that becomes our model about how do we get out of this life? How do we get to heaven? Well, we realize that it's not by intention, but it's by direction. It's following the path that Jesus laid out for us. Listen, I don't want it to be a shock to any of you, but there is only one way. Can you say amen with me today? There is only one way. There is only one way, the path that Jesus laid out for us. And today, I want it to be more than just intention on your heart and my heart, but I want us to desire the direction that Jesus laid out. And that's really what the Easter story is all about. Let me start with a question for you this morning. How many have ever heard the phrase, it's not necessarily how you start that counts, but it's how you finish? Well, you've all heard that. It's not so much how you start, 
But really, the importance is how you finish. Now, really, if we're going to understand the fullness of that comment or of that phrase, we certainly understand that it is important to start, right? You're never going to get anywhere unless first you start. I mean, we've heard that old phrase that the longest journey starts with the first step, right? You have to get out from where you are, from what's been going on in your life, or wherever you want to go. If you're trying to get to a destination, you've got to take a step. So whether you're reading a book, or you're entering a career, or you're just taking a journey, you realize the importance of a first step. So thinking about that, the goal of reading a book is obviously to finish it. Or the goal of a specific career path is to graduate, to train, and to succeed. And and so you can provide for your family. And yes, the goal of every destination or every journey is by getting started and understanding where that journey can lead us. But there's a challenge, I think, when all of that, that I want you to hear this morning that really sets the pace for, for what we want to talk about this morning. You see, it's virtually impossible to get somewhere where you've never been before without some sort of direction. And so we talk about heaven, we talk about everlasting life, but we realize that we've never been there. And so we have to put our hope and we have to put our trust and our belief and our faith in someone who's been there to help provide the direction that we need. You see, we oftentimes get ourselves in trouble trying to find that journey or find that path on our own. But oftentimes we just find ourselves walking in circles. And so we realize that if we really want to get where our heart desires, what has been let out for us, then it's important for us to follow the directions that have been given to us. How many know where Mount Morris, Pennsylvania is? Has anybody ever heard of Mount Morris, Pennsylvania? Well, one little six-year-old boy has heard that. So more than you all, he must be our Pennsylvania traveler. Mount Morris, Pennsylvania, it's right on the Pennsylvania-West Virginia border on I-79. So kind of the cool thing is, is that Mount Morris is exit number one on I-79, and Erie, Pennsylvania is exit 184. We are at the northern extreme, and they are at the most southern extreme. Now, how many have ever heard of Erie? Okay, so at least you got one half of the equation, right? So we know where this end is, but, but Mount Morris, Pennsylvania is down mixed among those big hills that border Pennsylvania and West Virginia. C.M. Ward was a, a great evangelist within the Assemblies of God way back in the day, and he happened to be called to do a, a weekend revival at the church there in Mount Morris, Pennsylvania. It's still there today. But Mount Morris is so remote. I mean, it's so backwoods. It's so off the beaten path, right, of the highway that runs nearby that while C.M. Ward was there, he said this to the church. He said, listen, if any of you miss the rapture, if any of you miss Jesus coming back and the church being gone, God taking the people to heaven, he said, listen, if any of you miss the rapture, you should stay right where you are because the Antichrist will never find you here in Mount Morris, Pennsylvania. 
I mean, talk about being like lost, being away, right? Now, some of you that don't know kind of what's coming of the Bible story, you might not get that joke, all right? But it's in the Bible, all right? He realized you are so kind of packed away that, that, that you are, 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 that no one can find you, right? That we realize today that, that without a map, without someone giving us direction, not only are there places right here around us that would be very difficult to find, so we realize that for our eternal destination, because we've never been there, there is an even greater sense of finding direction. And maybe even more is to follow that direction. You see, the same is true in life. I mean, I think there are several kinds of people, and I want you to kind of follow this with me today. See, there are people who are resistant to take cues from people who are where they want to get, right? There are people who are resistant to take the cues from people who are already there, but, but where they want to get. They have a name for those people. They're called teenagers. How many moms and dads know, right? I mean, they want to get there. They want to have what you want, but they are resistant at times to hear the voice of wisdom, the direction that you want to give in their life. They want to find their own trail. Now, we're not just kind of busting on our own teenagers here in the house today because what? At one point, many years ago, we were teenagers, right? And we kind of ignored the direction or we resisted oftentimes the the path that our parents were trying to help us follow. And then there are also people who borrow a page from the map from people who have never been where they want to be. They just see bits and pieces or what their assumption would lead them to or in some hope of someone who, who has never been there but maybe talks a big game and somehow that, that draws their attention. And that's why we then hear people saying, where, where am I? How did I get here? How did, how did all of this happen? You led me astray. You see, there is a struggle within each one of those. I want you to remember those two groups of people because we're going to come back to them in just a little bit. You see, our study for these last couple of weeks, we've been following a family. And they've seen plenty of twists and turns along their journey. There were those that were resistant to hear the the wisdom voice of those that wanted to get where they were, but, but they rejected. They fought against that. And within this story and within this family, there were those that listened to, to those that, that were not where they wanted to be. And so they were able to really provide no long-term direction to only see their life crash and burn around them. David, who later became King David, is the father of this family. And he had a tremendous start. Remember what we talked about? But it's not just how you start, it's how you finish. You know, his story, when we read throughout Scripture, his story has been told for centuries. His exploits are legendary. He killed a bear as a young boy. And then he killed a lion. How many say, well, the guy's got some clout, right? And then he killed a fully armed giant 
with only a slingshot. I mean, you've heard his story. I've told his story for years and years and years. However, his ending was a little rough. In fact, when we talk about David's story, those are the things that we talk about. We don't really preach about his ending. We don't really talk about the last few years of his life. Well, then Solomon, David had a son, Solomon. It was his number one. And likewise, Solomon following in the steps of his father from the beginning. As God was blessing David as a young boy, so God chose to bless Solomon in a big, big way. And as David was dying, he wanted to give Solomon some direction. He wanted to help him on his path because David realized it's not how you start, it's how you finish. And even though I've had some bobbles and some missteps on my path, I want to give to you, my son, direction on the path so you can avoid some of the mistakes that I have made. But again, we go back, there are two kinds of people. There are some people that are resistant to people that want to help them on the journey, that, that can tell them how to get where, where they should go, but But again, they want to maybe find their own path. And so David writes this in 2 Kings chapter 2, 1 Kings chapter 2 to his son. When the time drew near for David to die, he gave this charge to Solomon, his son. I am about to go the way of the earth, he said, so be strong and act like a man. And observe what the Lord your God requires. Walk in obedience to him. And keep his decrees and his command. Keep his laws and his regulations as it has been written in the law of Moses. Do this so that you may prosper in all that you do and wherever you go. This was an opportunity for Solomon to hear the words of someone who had been where he was hoping to go. Someone who was wanting to provide some direction along the path so that he could finish strong. And when given the opportunity, God came to Solomon and said, I'm going to give you whatever you want. Ask of me whatever you want, and I will do that. Man, I don't know what kind of day you and I would have if God said that to us some morning, huh? Jim, listen, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to give you whatever you ask for. How many would think, man, do I have a list ready for you, God, right? Man, of all of the things that, that, that I would want, I look at the world around me and I think, wow, you're going to provide anything that I ask. And Solomon steps up to the plate and kind of flips the script that he said, God, I, I simply would ask for wisdom so that I could lead your people the very best that I could. You see, he was taking a page at this point from his father's playbook. Rather than being selfish and trying to do it my own way, God, if you will give me wisdom, if you will still lead me, if you will guide me on the path, all I ask is that you give wisdom to me to be the very best follower of you that I could be. Well, God was really impressed with that answer. And so he told Solomon, because you have asked for such a noble thing, 
You didn't ask for wealth or riches or the death of your enemies or things that would have been so human and so earthly. He said, so what I'm going to do for you is that I'm going to give you things that you never ask for. I'm going to bless you with riches and power and prestige, and your name is going to be echoed throughout the centuries. There is nothing that I will hold back over you because you have been so faithful. And as we continue to see Solomon's story, his accomplishments were epic. He far outdid his father, David, by acing everything that was before him. Well, almost everything. You see, like his father, Solomon, in the end, failed to follow his own godly wisdom. And his finish, unfortunately, was anything but stellar. And just like his father, we talk a lot about Solomon's early days, but not so much about his ending days. 1 Kings chapter 11 says this, Solomon, however loved many foreign women besides who was his wife, Pharaoh's daughter. They were from nations about which the Lord had told the Israelites, you must not intermarry with them because they will surely turn your hearts after their own gods. Nevertheless, Solomon held fast to them in love. In those two verses, there are a couple of words that stand out. I don't know if any of you picked them out this morning. But they were the words, however, and nevertheless. You see, if you and I want to look back at some of the mistakes, some of the wrong paths that we have taken, some of the selfish choices that we have made in our lives, I can almost guarantee that there was a however or a nevertheless in there somewhere. There was a path, there was a direction, there was wisdom for you to follow, but somewhere along the journey there was a, yeah, but however, I think I know more. I know God says this, but I don't agree with that. So nevertheless, I'm going to do what I think. Listen, whether it's you or whether it's been me, if we're really honest and look back at some of the wrong choices that we have made, it's because someone was trying to give us direction, somebody having wisdom to help us, but we made the choice to ignore that truth and to follow our own path. And we have to answer today, it's not where we start, but the whole story of Easter, it's how you finish. It's where are you going to end up at the end of your story? Are we going to talk about your early days or are we going to be able to talk about your ending days as well? You see, I think that's why it's not so shocking an answer when someone asks me, Pastor, I don't know how I got here. I don't know how this got so messed up. I don't know how my family is just so scattered and we're just so lost. I don't understand why there is such a struggle between my husband or, or to my wife or our kids are, are so mixed up. You see, I'm here to tell you today as we've talked about this entire series, it's the path 
that you're choosing. You see, there is a way that seems right unto a man, but in the end, it's destruction. You see, we've never been there. We, we don't fully understand. And so what Easter helps us to recognize is that there is someone who has come to us from the land of eternal, from the hope that I hope that we have today of heaven that has come to show us the path. But again, I'm here to tell you it's not intention that's going to get you to your destination. It's direction. It's who you follow and it's how you follow that will make all the difference in your life. Remember those two groups of people that I talked about earlier? Those that that want to be where the people are, but they just don't follow the direction. You see, unfortunately, in this family line, there's not only David and Solomon, but Solomon's son, Rehoboam, is next in line. When Solomon died, Rehoboam took the throne. And all of Israel came to him and said this, Your father put heavy yokes on us, but now lighten the harsh labor and the heavy yoke he put on us, and we will serve you all of our days. You see, these big massive projects of Solomon, they came at a great price to the people. It was hard labor. It was heavy taxes. It was long, grueling, back-breaking work. And so Rehoboam asked for some time, and then he consults with the elders that served his father Solomon. He said, you heard what the people have said to me. What, what would be your advice for me to give to them? What, what would be the wisdom? You were there before me. You, you sat in the chambers with my father when he brought this nation to become such an epic place to where his name would be echoed through the halls of history for the centuries to come. So advise me. And so Solomon's advisor said to his son, if today, man, this is so powerful today, church. If today you will be a servant to these people and you will give them a favorable answer They will be your servants. They will follow you for the rest of your lives. How many think that's pretty wise, right? I mean, they came to him and said, hey, listen, we need some help here. We're willing to follow you, but you need to kind of ease up. You kind of need to understand what it's like down in the trenches. But if you respect us, if you look after us, you have our word that we are going to follow you all the days of your life. And Solomon, the guys who had been there to help build the nation said, listen, you have a moment here. You have an opportunity to change this whole thing around. And so our advice is is that you humble yourself and that you bless these people and that you work with them and their promise and their commitment is is that they will follow you all the days of their life. But Rehoboam rejects the advice of the elders who had been where he was hoping to bring the nation and he consulted his own posse, those young guys that grew up with him. Those guys that, that, that were kind of always in the shadows, kind of while daddy was leading the kingdom. They were kind of in the background, just kind of chomping at the bit, just kind of wringing their hands. Man, when, when we're in charge, when we take over, let, we're going to tell dad 
you know, how wrong he's been and, you know, what a loser he is and how we're going to do so much better for the kingdom. Ever meet anybody like that? Ever be anybody like that? You see, they had never been there. And Solomon and Rehoboam had a choice about what voice to listen. Do I listen to the aged voice of wisdom that helped grow my father's kingdom into something that they will talk about for centuries? Or will we walk away from all of that and set a new path based on our own selfish desires? So the young men who he had grown up with said, these people have said to you, your father put a heavy yoke on us. Make the yoke lighter. But this is what we tell you, Rehoboam. If you ask for our advice, this is what we say to you. You go back and tell the people, my little finger is thicker than my father's waist. My father laid on you a heavy yoke. I will make it even heavier. My father scourged you with whips. I will scourge you with scorpions. You see, we know from history the the end of that story. And ultimately what I want to share with you, what seemed to be the end of that family. You see, some of you might be asking this morning, Pastor, what does this story have to do with Easter? What what is the tie-in to Easter Sunday morning? We see, what I want you to understand is that from this point forward, this kingdom that God wanted to use, God became forever broken. God was going to use David and this line to one day bring forth the Messiah. But rather than listening and following the godly wisdom that would have grown them into creating a pathway for the Messiah and ultimately for you and I, that through their foolishness and through their lack of understanding and wisdom that this kingdom became totally destroyed. You know, I think leaving it up to us will generally choose what's good for us in the moment without any real consideration about our ultimate destination. You see, you and I are living today with choices, whether you believe it or not, that are affecting our eternal destination. Some of you say, Pastor, I don't believe what you say, so just, you know, you're just up there flapping your gums. You're choosing. You're choosing to believe, is God's word the truth or not? You're choosing to believe, did, did God really come? Did Christ Really walk. Well, yeah, kind of, there's kind of a story, but, but did his death on Calvary and did his resurrection truly reverse everything that had been going wrong in humanity and the promise to make everything right? So you choose today. But it's not intention. It's not just knowing the story. No, no, friends. It, it is much, much greater than that. You see, what I want you to hear today is that even though this family, through their own terrible choices, destroyed their lineage, destroyed any hope of future victory, that we see that no matter how many times we leave the path, 
make the wrong choice, derail our future, turn our back, that God is still willing to write a plan of healing and redemption over our life. You see, because we know the end of the story, had it been left at Rehoboam, there would have been no hope. It was over. End of story. But you see, the story of Easter, what ties this Old Testament story into the power of the New Testament that draws us back to church today is the story of Easter is that those things that look dead and buried have the opportunity to come back to abundant life. And so I don't know where your story is today. I don't know how far off the path some of the choices that you have met have led you. I don't know how soft or how hard your heart is to the things and to the voice and to the whisper of God. But I want you to know that while you are here today or you are watching with us online is that while you are still making your path away from God, that God loved you so much to create a path to bring you hope and resurrection an abundant life, and his whisper and his call among the church is to draw you into knowing his love and life for all of eternity. You see, David's family may have blown it, but God's would not. The lineage of the Messiah was destined to come through David. This is how the prophet Isaiah writes it to us. A shoot speaking in in kind of terminology of a tree, a, a little kind of starting branch, a shoot. A shoot will come out of the stump of Jesse. That's David's father. It was through Jesse that, that David was selected by the prophet Samuel. And I think it's interesting for you and I to note that, that just how wonderfully, see, if we go back to the story of those advisors of Rehoboam, You see, the truth is, is that God didn't show up on the scene like a big, massive oak tree, right? I think why the author, why Isaiah said that a shoot would grow up, in human terms, David was way bigger than Jesus in the natural. David had armies that marched for him. Men that were willing to rush into battle and die for him. To to go and do exploits at his very command. That he was able to live in a palace and have guards and to have people to serve him. He had an incredible bed where he could could orchestrate his life and to have commanders and generals. I mean, David had the world in his hands. But God came to you and I. Like a little shoot, just a little blip in the course of human history. In fact, the people in Jerusalem, the people in that day didn't even know what was taking place. When the wise men showed up, they were like, like, what is this all about? For the wise men to say, don't you understand? Have you not read that the God of all had come to dwell among man. Isaiah says a shoot will come from the stump of Jesse and from his roots will be a branch 
and it will bear fruit. Guess who the fruit is today, church? Those of us who are willing to trust in someone who's been where we would like to go and that have chosen to follow his path. You see, we are the... Jesus came, he died, he was put into the ground, but the branch grew. The branch exploded out of the ground with a message of hope for all of us that will put our faith and our trust in him, that we will be the fruit of this branch. The spirit of the Lord will rest upon him, Isaiah said. The spirit of wisdom and of understanding. The spirit of counsel and of might. The spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. He will delight in the power of God. Righteousness will be his belt and faithfulness the shaft, the sash around his waist. You see, David's family may have destroyed or tried to destroy the path, but God already had plans to rebuild. Listen, from some of the dead moments of your life today, friends, from a mixture hurt and pain, your anger, your frustration, things that you have carried all of your life that, that seemingly no one would understand. You see, the hope of Easter today is that with ask, asking Christ, God's plan of destiny and direction in your life, that my prayer and my word to you today is that a shoot of righteousness can begin to grow from you today. If you will stop listening to the voices that aren't going to get you where you want to be because they don't know. They don't know what everlasting joy and peace and hope is all about. I'm here to tell you that some of you, you've been listening to the wrong voice. And the path that you are walking is not leading you into the direction, into the destination that your heart wants. But today the story of Easter is that if you will put faith and trust in God, our video said it this morning, Thomas believed, had faith because he could see Blessed are those who believe who still have not seen, but our faith in God and his word to us today. And the story of Easter is that God can take things that are dead in us, things that have hurt us, things that have made our heart rock hard, that amidst that pain and suffering and that which has gone wrong in our life, yet with a little bit of faith in God who loves us, a little shoot can birth forth out of the ground and everything can change. Easter, the resurrection, bring them back to life. Your past lineage, mistakes, they may have feel like you have eliminated yourself from God's love, his plans, and purpose, only to find out today that Easter's story declares that God sent his one and only son to redeem you, to help you, to bring you back, to fill you with hope and with wholeness. You say, Pastor, I don't think it's possible. Yeah, because you're listening to the wrong voices in your heart today. With God, my friend, all things are possible. No matter what condition you are in today, you can get where you've always wanted to be with the help of Christ in your life. 
You see, I think that's why Easter is in the springtime, right? Last fall, I buried a bunch of tulip bulbs at my house for the first time. God blessed us with a, a big yard, and my mom joked that she could kill artificial flowers. Like, we have no green thumb in the Grove household. And I thought, man, I love to see tulips. And we've got, you know, this landscape and this property. We, we don't have anything growing. So I bought like this massive, like the, like the mega pack from Sam's Club. Somebody give me an amen, right? And I lugged these things and I, I actually bought them pretty early. I, they came out like in August or September or whatever. And they were like, don't bury them until like October or November. And I looked at those bulbs, right? Seemingly dead in that bag, And come October, November, I went out with my shovel and I began to dig holes all over my yard. In fact, it's kind of funny. I'll jump ahead of the story right now. I I actually forgot how many I planted. (laughs) But after I put them in the ground in October, then we had months of cold and snow. They were buried under hard grounds. But if you'll come to my house this afternoon, you'll see that I've got tulips that are bursting out of the ground, moving towards the heavens, uh, waiting to know that which seemingly was dead and buried, now becoming to give life. You see, it reminds me again of this Easter season of up out from the grave he rose. As I've looked across my yard, I'm like, wow, I forgot I grew tulips there, and there, and there, and there, and there, and there. You see, that's the hope that Christ, it's not just the one benefit of salvation. How many know that with me? You see, the the wonderful point of the story is that once we give our life to Christ, that so many more things blossom in our lives. Things that we thought we would never get again, we get. Things that we thought we would never have restored, become restored. Families that were separated, after some time, conversation starts and, and, and families start to come together. Husbands and wives that have been at odds for a while. That now when we realize we've been off the path, listen, it may not happen instantaneously, but the more that we follow God, the more that we believe that he came out of the grave and that he is our hope and that he's our healing, that when we commit to him and not our path, when we start listening to the right advisor, somebody, amen, we start hearing the voice of wisdom that through that in our own heart, If you will humble yourself and serve these people, they will follow you all the days of your life. You see, what hope for a home and for a marriage today if we humble ourselves and serve our partner? What amazing transformation can become possible when we ask God for his help? You see, all of this happened, this story, not by chance, but by choice. You say, if you don't think you're worth it, if you think you're too far gone, if you think it's over, I want you to hear me today. This story didn't happen by chance. This story happened by choice. You see, God loves you so much. God has come to redeem whatever wrong we've done, however bad it's been, how far we are down the wrong path. 
God chose to write a new story for you today. That's the hope of Easter. See, Jesus said, no one takes my life. No one forced me into this, John chapter 10. But I lay my life down of myself for you. And I have the power to take it back up. The resurrection of Christ was because he was fully God. Because he would pay the full price for our wrong. For our destruction to think that it's over only to realize that a shoot can grow from our heart today. Say, Pastor, I don't see how it's possible. My heart, his heart, her heart, their heart, it seems so hard. If they can lay him in a grave for three days and that stone can roll away and up out of the grave he can come. If it wasn't too hard for that, hear me today, friends, it's not too hard for what God can do in your soul and in your life today as well. You see, I'm so thankful that the Father brought the ultimate ask of human history into our story that first Easter. I mean, think of it with me. Chris, if you can come and help me. Could you imagine this conversation between God and Jesus in heaven? Son, you got to go down there and you have to clothe yourself in human flesh. That God came and walked among them. You're going to have to live a life of poverty. You're not going to be like your father David and Solomon. You're not going to live in a palace and have servants and have the luxuries of life. You're really going to have nothing. Yeah, I know, you're the king of the universe, but you're going to have to live under the rule of sinful, egotistical human leaders that are going to bring a lot of hurt and agony on the people. Critical hour, they're going to abandon you and run. You're going to be tortured. You're going to be beaten to where you'll almost be unrecognizable. And when that's over, they're going to crucify you. They're going to pound big spikes into your wrists and into your feet and they're going to hoist you up naked in front of the people to be a laughing stock and because you have nothing someone's going to offer that they'll put your broken body into a borrowed tomb there will be a few that will weep at the foot of the cross but most of the world they're just going to move on. They're going to have a moment, but then they're just going to move on. Totally unaware of what had just been done for them. That my son, God's son, your blood, holy, precious blood, was shed for them. The only hope the only way to get where they ever would hope to be. 
than to walk away and just go back to the same path that they've always been walking. I heard a story a number of years ago in the age when traveling by train was kind of the biggest way to travel. There was a father that had a a really important job along the railroad. Down along the Gulf Shore, there were several remote bridges that had to operate, had to lift so that the big ships could get out of the harbor and out into the sea, but then the, the bridges could, could fall back down so that these trains would be able to take all of these passengers to their destinations across our country. The man had a son. He begged his father to take him to work. He had heard the stories of of this large mechanical contraption that his father was in control of and hearing the stories around the dinner table mesmerized this little eight-year-old to think of all of the levers and the switches and the steel and everything that moved. And he begged his father during the Easter break, Dad, would you take me to work? I want to see. I hear about everything, but I want to see how everything works and so the father finally obliged but only under one condition he said you must follow my every instruction because there is a lot of danger on this job site there are a lot of moving parts while the bridge is in operation and so the little boy agreed sure dad whatever you say just so I can just so I can be there and see it for myself man they had a wonderful day you couldn't wipe the smile off that little boy's face. Halfway through the shift, the father needed to climb down into the mechanical shaft to grease all of those massive gears that allowed that big bridge to move effortlessly for the all-important travel along the route. He told his son, you need to stay in the control tower until dad finishes up all of his work and then we'll come back and we'll watch the trains go across the bridge. But as he was working down in the shaft that all of the grease and the things that he needed uh, that he ran out of. And so he slipped out another door over to the maintenance shed. But as he was making his way there, he heard the faint sound of an early train whistle rapidly coming towards the bridge. The bridge was now still elevated as he was trying to finish up his maintenance. So with no time to spare, he raced to the control room to start the complicated sequence to lower the bridge. The train's whistle blowing closer all the time. When he reached the control room, he quickly began to throw some levers and throw switches. And then he froze. He turned and he scanned the control room, realizing that his son wasn't there. He desperately called out his name, but now these massive gears were turning and cables were sliding up and down their guides. The noise was deafening. And he looked out the window towards the mechanical shaft, and there on top of the railing was his little boy's hat. He knew in a moment what was in every little boy's heart and mind. Something that would have been impossible for him not to go and investigate and to see just what it is that his dad did down in that mechanical shaft. And the father's heart sank as he realized that his son 
had climbed down into that mechanical shaft. The train was now in sight. The gears to the bridge moving were continuing to turn. He reached for the lever to pull, to raise the bridge back up again, but in doing so, it would have been far too late to notify the train, and hundreds and hundreds of people would have perished to their death. This father faced a choice, an impossible choice. Save his son at the loss of countless lives, or not pull that lever lose his son so that countless lives would be saved from perilous death. As the bridge swung to its final and locked position, the father began to walk towards the tracks as the train came barreling towards the bridge. With tears running down his cheeks, he watched as the train flew by. He saw a man casually reading the paper, a woman holding a teacup, having her afternoon tea, a little boy with a teddy bear with his face flat against the glass, all of them unaware of what had just been done for them. The sacrifice that this father had made with his son so that they could be saved. The choice was that his son would die so that they could live. You see, it was the same story that played out now some 2,000 years ago. A father who was willing to sacrifice his son so that not only you and I could live, but that we could live an abundant life that we could find the path that would lead to everlasting life. You see, I wonder how many will continue to go through life. Today you'll attend an Easter service. For some of them, some of you, you'll just come back at Christmas. Still only just to go on with life and never consider what truly was lost so that you could be found. I'm not sure there are many in the room today that don't know the Easter story. That you've never heard that God's son came down to earth to die in your place. On the third day, he rose from the grave with eternal life. Life-giving power to all who believe, who will trust his voice as to lead us the only way to eternal life. He would send his Holy Spirit to be our guide, to walk with us and to help us that when we make mistakes or we deviate from the path, that his gentle voice will radiate in our spirit to help guide us back to him. You see, I believe this as we begin to close this morning. You have to do more than just know the story. You have to make the choice to make it your story. You see, the only way it works is if you choose to recognize what 
has been done for you. You can't just aimlessly go through life unaware. Listen, I gotta believe, I'll give a little grace, that 99% of us know the Easter story. Like those who stood around the cross and would say, big deal, and simply go back to their own path. Listen, it's more than just coming to celebrate the Easter story. My challenge to you today is that you've got to choose for it to become your story. See, it's not how you start. It's how we finish. See, we're not playing the short game here. You're not playing the odds about getting through next week or next month. You see, we're all playing the long game. What happens when this life is over? Are we willing to roll the dice on 60 or 70 years? Again, if we trust or we believe in the Easter story, then you got to believe that there are two directions. That's why Christ came. Because without him in our life, that we will be eternally lost. Away from him for eternity. So God loved you and I so much, not just to tell us a story, but to come and to be the story. I want to pray with you today on this again, Easter Sunday, to remind us again of the story that you know, that it's got to be your story. Listen, if you need hope today, God has revealed to us that he has the power to take dead things and bring them back to life. If your heart is hard, if this world has hardened you, I want you to hear me today that there is a shoot that can start to grow in your heart if you will believe in the God of the Easter story, of a Christ who came to do the impossible. He can do the impossible in your life today as well. Would you bow your heads with me today? Father, I thank you that we have this moment on this day, your day, to realize that our mistakes and our path, the choice that, that we oftentimes would make on our own, that was playing the, the short game, we've been a Rehoboam. We thought we knew what was better. We failed to take the instruction and to follow the wisdom of those that had been where we would want to go. And we have rejected that. Some, again, stand in that moment with me today. We have heard the Easter story again. We realize that it is through Christ and Him alone. There is no other way. And yet for a few moments, a few minutes on an Easter Sunday, we'll hear the story and we'll turn and we'll walk back to our old path once again. But God, today I pray that in this house that there will be a difference among this church. I pray today that there will those that will trust in your word, that will trust again in the Easter story of God loving them so much 
of speaking his gentle word into their heart. That with him, with the hope of knowing him, that life can grow again. That joy can come from suffering. That beauty can come from the ash pile that we see around our life. That joy can come from mourning that has devastated our life. That eternity can be ours simply by believing in a God who loved us and did everything for us. Church, with your head still bowed for just a moment, I want to pray for any of you here today to say, Pastor, you've been reading my mail, not just this week, but maybe for the last several weeks. I truly have been listening to the wrong voices. I followed the wrong path. I've hearted my heart. I felt like I, I deserve this pain. I deserve this attitude. I deserve this hardness to keep everybody an arm's length away. But I would challenge you today, friend, you're just playing the short game, not the long game. Today, Jesus said, I have come that you not just have life, but that you have life to the full. Listen, your family lineage doesn't have to stop today. It doesn't have to be a disaster any longer. God can grow a shoot. God can bring love and hope and compassion and victory out of hurt and broken things. So listen, no one's looking around, but I'm your pastor today. And I want to pray specifically for you. So if that's you this morning, would you just lift your hand just real quick? God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Just for a moment, lift your hand. I, I want to know who I'm praying for today. God already knows. God bless you. God bless you. Wow, hands all over. If you've raised it, I've seen it. You can put it back down. Listen, a lot of times we'd say, hey, we're not here to embarrass you. We're not. Listen, it's not about that. I'm here to help direct you. I can't save you. I can't help you. I can't heal you. But today in this place is the God of heaven who's revealing himself again today that he can bring dead things and bring them back to life in your hearts. Thomas had to put his hand into the nail prints, into his side to believe. Blessed are you who have not seen but yet believe. Father, today, these that raise their hands, these that have found themselves in part of life's most desperate moments, God, I pray that new life would burst into their soul this morning. I pray the word that they hear today, what they feel inside of them today, it's certainly not my words, but it is the moving of God's power and His Holy Spirit in their life. God is revealing Himself to them once again. Can I take a moment and think about those of us that maybe know the story, that know Jesus, but let's be honest, we find ourselves wavering on the path. Our, our neck gets snapped from time and time. The attention of the world, the riches, the hope, the prestige. You might not be too far gone. You're probably going to go back to your own path. Listen, today's a day to stop playing games. 
Easter is a day more than ever to realize that God is waiting for a homecoming for you and for me. Listen, the prodigal had to come to his senses and realize the condition that I'm in, and yet there is a father who is waiting at the end of the room to welcome us back home. Please hear me today. You are not too far gone that the heavenly father is not waiting to welcome you home today. There is a path but you have to choose to get up from where you are and to make your way back to a God who's done everything for you. It's direction, my friends, not intention. Let me leave you with that today. It's choice and it's direction. Listen, don't go another moment, another day. Well, I meant to. I should have. One day, it's going to be too late today is the day to choose. Simply by saying, God, I've heard what Pastor Jim said. I trust in his understanding of the word that it's been you all along that's wanted to reveal yourself and draw me close to you. I realize that I've been guilty. I've listened to the wrong voice. I've been stubborn. I've fought all the way. I'm fighting even now. But listen, friend, God's never going to give up. God loves you too much. You see, he sacrificed his son so that your life doesn't crash and burn over the edge. So God, today we ask you in this house for wherever we are to welcome us home, to let us know that this can be our homecoming this Easter day.